Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. Coming up. I want everybody to be able to answer their phone and not have to silence every other call. And how much money have you made total now? Uh, 22500 For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson. You're listening to The Daily Crime. Robocalls can be more than just an annoyance for many of us. They interrupt our lives on a daily basis. But some folks are fighting back and making money doing so. One day I just checked my email and I had a, an email from a lawyer for this one company um, saying that they, yeah, well, we'll give you a thousand bucks. It was, I mean, basically they were, we got your letter. We deny everything you said, but we're willing to give you a thousand bucks to settle this. And I was like, oh, it's game on. This is my first one. This is 3000. I should be settling another uh, this week for between eight and 10. So eight and 10,000. So. $22,000. Yep. All because you were, had enough with these robocallers. Had enough. Had enough. Wanted to, uh, wanted to make them rethink it. Wanted to hit them in the wallet, make them, make them pay. I'm joined by Lauren Powell, investigative producer at 10 Tampa Bay, and Jennifer Titus, investigative reporter also at 10 Tampa Bay News. So before we talk about how people are making money fighting robocalls, your investigation on this started with a discovery that some of these calls are coming from a pretty interesting place. We started looking into robocalls. We wanted to see what's kind of being done to stop these annoying calls. Everybody gets some, you know, dozens a day, sometimes even. So we started looking into it, and we had a colleague of ours out in Seattle who actually had robocalls sent to his phone um, through a company. He wanted to see who was behind these robocalls. And he was talking to one of the callers and started asking questions. And turns out that that call that he was getting, they were trying to sell him an energy plan in California, and he was in Washington. Uh, He, that person on the other line, turned out to be a Department of Corrections inmate here down in Florida as part of the work release program. So basically, he was an inmate. He wasn't out of custody. He was still in custody, but he was living at a oh, at a facility in the Tampa Bay area, and then he was uh, working at a telemarketing company, we learned, as part of his work release program before he was uh, completely out of DOC custody. So uh, once we found that out, we went to the location, the facility that he stayed at, and we found uh, a couple of them actually working at a telemarketing office here in the Tampa Bay area. And from there, started asking questions to the Department of Corrections, asked for lots of records from the Department of Agriculture, who oversees telemarketing companies, to see exactly how many inmates are making these really annoying calls that we found that this one company, the machines they use, uh, one former worker there told us that they would call 250 people a day to sell this product. So that's where our investigation uh, started, and that's what we've continued to follow for the past couple of months about how, what the Department of Corrections is doing, you know, what their thoughts are behind these inmates working at call centers and 
going to lawmakers? Is this the right job for him? So yeah, we've 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 learned a lot over the past couple of months. Jennifer, I have to ask: Did your colleague just ask this person calling him where he was calling from? That was it. That's all. That's all he said. He just basically asked questions: Who are you calling? Who are you? Where are you calling from? And he's like, Well, you know, I'm actually calling in. Um, Pinellas Park, Florida. And he's like, oh, so you work here? And he just started asking questions. He's like, well, actually, this is part of my, this is the job I got through my work release program. And then he was like, wait, what? And then they had another call. He took his phone number and then they had another call and and, and he learned more information about uh, who he was and, and how he got the job at the telemarketing facility. So Lauren, as you looked into this, what did you learn about robocalls in general? And in particular, in this case, I mean, is it okay for inmates to be working in this capacity, making these types of calls? Um, well, legally, um, it's okay, I guess, in in some cases, to make those calls. Um, but if there is, if it's a robocall, which um, there's a big discrepancy there on what a robocall is, um, that's where you get into uh, to the problems. And and I think this the issue for us when we started talking to um, advocates was. Um, is this the proper outlet, the proper job for inmates? Um, you know, when they're in these work release programs, they are working to get, you know, to get back into society. And is this, you know, a job that is suitable, you know, to help them get back into society? And, and a lot of the advocates we spoke to said that, you know, it's it's just not the correct place for these inmates to um to be working. So I think that was the bigger issue was, you know, whether or not this was the right place for these um, inmates who are trying to normalize and get back into society. So, yeah, I guess that could be a job down the road, but did they explain in any detail why this kind of work wouldn't be appropriate? The issue that that the advocates we spoke to had with this was that it's um, it's a very, um, I guess, high pressure, high stress situation. And when, um, and in a lot of cases, um, these individuals are, you know, dealing with people who, you know, aren't happy to be getting these calls to begin with. So then they're being put in an awkward situation where, you know, they're having to, you know, face, you know, these altercations with, um, with these people that they're calling. So I think that was the biggest issue. And so, Jennifer, where did your investigation go next? Um, yeah, so basically, like you were saying about the you know robocalls and and what how these company work companies work, what's legal, what's not legal. You know, there's you know discrepancies about companies using automated t- uh, systems, and that's what makes it a robocall. Anything that does the dialing for the person, where you're not actually dialing yourself, and then also we found the tell us. Telephone Consumer Protection Act of 1991, which basically says that these companies really aren't allowed to call you unless you have given them permission to call you, you know, and that's where it gets tricky. Have you signed something that maybe you didn't remember, you know, so, you know, that's how some of these companies get uh, by giving you a call, but there's also rules about when they can call you, some state statutes, they can only call, you know, between these hours. If you're on the federal do not call list, uh, that's an automatic, you know, no, no. And, and, and that's illegal. And, you know, but there's just, like you said, it, it's such a problem. Like our, our investigation found, I mean, these are millions of robocalls a day, you know, just in, 
you know, a state, you know, not even across the country. Like they're just, they're just going up and up and up. And so, you know, the feds can only do so much. And, you know, we went to our state lawmakers, you know, what are you doing to crack down on these? You know, some people are like, not quite enough if we have inmates actually making the calls too. And then the the department of agriculture, like we said, who um, oversees telemarketing companies, they approved 7,000 licenses alone uh, in the past year for telemarketers. So Florida seems to be a hot spot for uh, telemarketing businesses that we weren't aware of as well. And basically they were telling us that they don't have the manpower to go in and inspect every single one of these companies to make sure that they are using, you know, correct scripts to sell you stuff, that they aren't using illegal automated calling systems. You know, they're just basically taking the company's word for it when they do apply uh, for a license that, you know, these companies are following the laws. They just don't have enough manpower to go into every single one of these businesses. So getting onto that consumer um, that we uh, reported on that was fighting back against these robocalls because a lot of people are like, hey, they're still happening. They're getting worse. People, the federal government, the state governments are not doing enough. So what we found is this consumer-based expert out of the Texas area had come up with this plan um, a few years back, which it's basically a, a kit, a robocall demand letter kit. And uh, you go to his website and you purchase this kit. And basically it's a sample letter that allows you, the consumer, to fight back in the way of, if you're on that do not call federal list, you know, that's illegal. And that's, I think it was $1,000 to $1,500 a call that if you can catch these telemarketing companies calling you and you're not supposed to be called because you're on that list, like that's $1,500 there. So basically you take this, this letter as the consumer, you have to, you know, do some work. You have to pick up the phone. You have to figure out who's calling you so you know where to send this letter. And you basically are telling these companies, hey, what you're doing is illegal. You know, I'm going to sue you. And these companies, you know, we're seeing, we found a number of consumers where these companies are just settling because, you know, they know, according to the person we interviewed, they said that they agreed. Um, they didn't say what they were doing was illegal, but they agreed to settle. So that's why the one Florida guy that we had talked to in just the past year has made $22,000 sending these letters out to different companies who have called him when he has been on the do not call list and in other things that he has found them in violation of. Essentially, you have to take the call. You have to talk to the caller, get them to give you a little bit of information. The types of information that you're going to try and get out of the caller varies depending on the types of calls that you're getting, uh, who it is that's calling, when they're calling, and so on. From there, use the template demand letters that we provide in the kit. It's basically fill in the blank, send it off, and believe it or not, these guys want to negotiate. I want everybody to be able to answer their phone and not have to silence every other call. Uh, because it's somebody trying to sell them an auto warranty or health insurance or, you know, mortgage refinance or, or whatever it is. Uh, that's the big picture for me. And I have a lot of people ask me, you know, if this works, aren't they eventually going to stop calling? And the answer is yes. I mean, you know, it's almost like he's making a part-time job out of this. Exactly. I was in, in he, I think when we were sitting down with him, he was settling another eight to $10,000. That was from one company. And I was like, what kind of company, you know, what kind of companies that are you, you know, settling with? And he's like, it's the auto car, the auto extended warranty companies. I'm like the extended warranty companies. Cause that's, I, you know, we see the memes. It's kind of a joke right now, right? Like anytime you answer your phone, it's an extended warranty company. And that's who he's, 
you know, getting money from for sending this letter. So um, it, it's working for him. We talked to other consumers, you know, it's working for him. And so, yeah, he's getting another eight to $10,000. So you're looking at Thirty-two to $35,000. And, and like you said, it's not his full-time job. He's paid a lot of credit cards off and he's looking to buy a, a new car with uh, what he's gotten so far. Yeah. And I think, I think the bigger issue too, is if um, it's not even the people making the money, but it's the, the ultimate goal at the end of this is that um, if these um, robocallers get enough of this type of feedback from consumers that, you know, eventually maybe this will, you know, stop them from making these calls because they just won't, don't want, won't want to deal with it, you know? Um, so I think that's the ultimate goal here, you know? So of course it's great, you know, people are being able to make some money off of this, but the ultimate goal is to just, you know, kind of let these, um, callers know that we're, that, you know, we're standing up for ourselves in this situation and, you know, hopefully they will stop calling, stop the calls. And how much are these robocall fighting kits that he's making available to consumers? How much do they cost? They're $47 for a kit and the kit includes, um, uh, a demand letter. Um, and there are, you know, the one thing is you do have to stay on the phone, you know, long enough with these callers to get enough information from them so that you know where to send the demand letter. Um, and uh, so you do have to do a, a little bit of work on your end. But, you know, in most cases, I mean, that, you know, the people that we spoke to that were, you know, cashing in on this, um, the minimum that they were getting was $1,000, you know, so right there, you know, you get one payout and it pays, you know, pays above and beyond, you know, what you paid for the kit. Lauren, it does seem like this is a pretty massive uphill climb to fight robocalls one company at a time. And then there's this issue of inmates making these calls too. You know, I think, I think our, our perspective too is trying to get the attention of um, these state and federal lawmakers um, and, you know, and the Department of Corrections. I mean, you know, you can see in our series, we, we've reached out to the Department of Corrections multiple times over several months and they, they acknowledged our request and just straight up denied our request for an interview or comment. They said that, you know, time was not an issue for them. They just were denying our request. And, um, and, and we know for a fact that they did pull after we started investigating this and we discovered this, they did pull some of these inmates out of these facilities for a short period of time. And we only found that out through one of our sources. Um, and then when we reached out to the Department of Corrections with, you know, in Florida with that information, they confirmed that. But then they put these people back in to these um, these call centers. So I think for us, it's all about getting their attention as well and saying, you know, listen, this is so much of an issue that, you know, people are now having consumers are now having to take matters into their own hands. So, you know, can you guys please step in and do something about this? Jennifer, your viewers must have been intrigued by the idea of making money off of robocalls. Oh, the response we got was overwhelming. I mean, people wanted to click on this story, and I think it's because people, like we've mentioned, are just sick and tired of getting the unwanted calls to their phone. It's why we at Tegna dedicated an entire series to just 
stop the calls? How do you stop the calls? Who's behind the calls? Talking to lawmakers, what they're doing to crack down. And then this, when we found out about this kit and we were, we learned about Doc Compton and, and we met this Floridian here who has, you know, fought back, um, the, the response has been overwhelming because I think it gives consumers maybe a little bit of hope that, hey, maybe we can't stop the call altogether, but maybe if we make a little bit of some money as well as, you know, slowing down those calls, like, let's do it. I think anybody at this point are so tired of the calls that they're looking for any way to stop the call. You can go to 10tampabay.com slash robocalls to see the complete investigation and multiple stories about stopping the calls. My thanks to investigative producer Lauren Powell and Jennifer Titus, investigative reporter at 10 Tampa Bay News in Tampa Bay. Thank you very much. Thank you, Will. Thanks for listening to The Daily Crime. We're here every weekday, Monday through Friday, with new episodes. Be sure to let your friends and family know about The Daily Crime. We'll see you next time. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson.